0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I hope and pray you all had a wonderful Christmas and just a great time together with family, with friends. And we had a wonderful Christmas Eve services here. Praise be to God. And just love this time of year. I love what God's doing is Emmanuel, God with us. And so awesome and powerful. The God of the universe has come to us. And we've got to celebrate. Now, you're probably thinking today, well, Christmas is over. Why aren't we still talking about Christmas? But, but there were some guys who showed up a little late. And so we're going to continue our series called Christmas the power of perspective because these magi, these wise men came about a month later up to two years later but they didn't want to miss out. They wanted to come and be a part and because Christ has come our lives are forever changed and we can meet Jesus all the time. Now in our series we've been looking at that first Christmas and we said that there were some people who missed it. I mean there were a few people, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the magi which we'll see today who showed up but there were a lot of people who missed out. Right, Herod was just seven miles away and, and, you know, he was like, no way, he was threatened by Jesus. The religious leaders at the time, and they were steeped in their legalism and they missed out on the radical grace of God and people still do that. Today, we saw this business owner, this innkeeper who was too busy making money and the, the economy was booming and there were a lot of things going on that he didn't even go back to the cave or to the stable where Jesus was being born and, and he missed it. And we said we want to be people who embrace what God's doing in our world. We don't want to just get caught up in things that are happening and go along with the flow and miss when God shows up. We want to be Christmas people year-round, you know, seeing God move and seeing God work. And that's what God wants for us. I believe God's always at work. I believe God's moving in our family and our lives and God's moving in our church and God's moving in a powerful way in our community and for us to see Him To recognize him. That power of perspective. Uh, I was reading an article in USA Today that says that Christmas has become more and more secularized. We kind of know that. It says people are looking for more jingle than Jesus. And and we see that even in our world. But we want to be people who see Jesus and the hope and the life and the joy that he brings. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of Matthew. First book, New Testament, Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Now if you don't have a Bible... Maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the scriptures online at UVersion, or we'll put the scripture on the screen. But Matthew chapter 2. And I want you to see this today. It's so powerful for us and a great lesson for us. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the East came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the East and have come to worship him. So we know this is probably about a month maybe after Jesus was born, or it could have been up to two years, right? Because that was in accordance with Herod will give the order to have all the babies in Bethlehem killed two years and under. And so we see that this magi come in. Now, now magi is where we get the word magician, right? Now, that kind of has a negative connotation today. But these guys, I mean, these guys were wealthy. They were well-educated. They were like royalty, Okay. And there was probably more than three of them. Now, we kind of equate that to the gifts, which we're going to see later on. But this was an entourage. And they roll up into Jerusalem, right? They got camels. They've got servants. They've got all these royals coming in to Jerusalem. And they come to King Herod and say, hey, where is he who was born king of the Jews? Well, that doesn't go over real well with King Herod because he thinks he is the king of the Jews, although he's not, right? But when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the people chief priest and teacher of the law, he asked them where the Christ, literally means Messiah, where the Christ, the Messiah, was to be born in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. Okay, so these guys know this, right? They know it's seven miles away. It's right there in Bethlehem. But they don't want to go because they're scared. They don't want to lose their position or their place of prominence. And they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be a shepherd of my people, Israel. And when you see that Micah 5.2, this Old Testament prophecy, well then Herod called the Magi secretly and he found out from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make careful search for the child and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now did Herod really want to go worship him? No, right? He wanted to kill him. But he says, hey, go and find him. Well, after they had heard The king. they went on their way and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now I want you to see this in verse 10. Look at verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. When they came to the place. See, when you meet Jesus, right, you're overjoyed. And a lot of people are going to leave Christmas, right, in in secular society. They're going to leave exhausted, worn out from trying to keep up with everything. But I hope and pray that that you saw Jesus this Christmas. I hope and pray that you met Jesus. And maybe it was when your child was opening their gifts or maybe it was being with a grandparent or a friend or family or maybe you saw generosity in a way that you just hadn't seen or maybe you worshiped and you just, man, you're just like, wow, my heart is full. I was doing all those things, but my heart is full, full of joy. And it says in verse 11, on coming to the house, they, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. See, our only response when we see Jesus is to worship, to worship. And worship is our response back to God for who he is and for what he's done in our lives. And these royals get off their camels with all their servants and they bow down and worship. And then, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by a different route. These guys came a long way away. Arabia, Persia, they came probably over 900 miles and they came to worship Jesus. And they brought gifts. And there's something powerful and significant about each one of these gifts that they brought. And I want you to hear that right now. So they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh,
1: and I got the gold today, Um, and it's not literal gold, so don't get real excited. It's um, gold-covered chocolate coins, I got a couple bags of it, and so Josh... You take one, pass it around. There is not enough. There's enough Jesus for all of you, but there is not enough gold coins for all of you. Um, you're going to think, gosh, I wish I sat closer. Genevieve, can you help me out? Oh, close. We're good. So we've got gold. The idea that these magi, these Easterners came to bring praise to God. Now, I want you to think about it for just a second. There are right now living in the United States, I mean, feasibly, two, three, four even future presidents of this country. Um, Maybe they're getting their diaper changed this morning. Um, Maybe they're uh, a college sophomore and they forgot to register for classes and they missed the deadline and they're feverishly online trying to get courses. Maybe they're just kids playing with the new toys that they got for Christmas. But there are literally some presidents alive, maybe even in this room among us today. Who knows? The deal is we didn't find you at your birth and, and come and lay gifts to you because you're gonna be a future leader. This one was different Christ was different. And the Magi came to find him and to bring him these gifts, one of which was gold, a precious metal that's featured throughout Scripture, which certainly would have been befitting of the king that he was. And I love the part of the Matthew 2 gospel that tells us they came seeking the king born of the Jews, and then Herod and his wise men flip it around, and they want to know where the Messiah was. Was to come. You see, Herod knew that this wasn't just any king of the Jews, it was the one final king of the Jews that these men came from the east in order to seek, and they brought gold. Now, gold would have certainly, again, been fitting of any king, any level of royalty to bring as a present. So maybe that's what the gold does for us it alerts us to the fact that this Jesus was indeed a king. But I think it does more. This gold actually connects us to Old Testament prophecy, like so many other circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth, remind us of things that are said in the Old Testament to let us know who Jesus is. It says in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6 herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. So this is why my nativity set, the really nice fancy one, then also the plastic one that we let kids play with, and all of your nativity sets and the nativity stories that we have, have camels with the wise men because the Bible says that camels will cover your land. And these are not just any ordinary camel. These are special camels. They're actually called dromedaries. And they're camels with just one hump, not two. They were able to go long, long distances of travel and they were able to carry big, large loads of people, And of precious metals like gold. And so these camels came from the east, specifically Ephah, Midian, and Sheba, those areas around the Arabian Peninsula, Persia, modern day Iran, Iraq, Turkey. And they brought gifts. Now, this is not the first time that these specific regions or countries are mentioned in Scripture. They go all the way back to the book of Genesis to Abraham, who after his wife Sarah died, married a lady named Keturah and had other sons and daughters, Midian, Ephah, and Sheba. And in Genesis, he tells them to go and live in the lands to the east. Those people became people groups who eventually were at odds with the Jews, who were at odds with God's people. And so how fitting for us today to read that some of the first people to come and worship baby Jesus were people who had once been the very enemies of God. You see, this king, he isn't just for the Jews. He's for all people, even pagan people, Because that's ultimately what the wise men were. They may have been wealthy. They may have been royal. They may have been very smart. But their profession was far more akin to witchcraft than it was to wisdom. One article that I read this week said, Let's welcome Gandalf and Dumbledore to worship the baby Jesus. Because these guys looked at stars and astrology for magic and for prophecy. And what they found was Christ. They're among the first people to rightly worship this king because he's a king for all people. You know, gold throughout scripture is definitely a symbol of wealth, but it's also a symbol of purity. And so today we draw the connection that it's not just the gifts that we bring to God. It's also the pure, holy, obedient lives that we are called to bring to him. Gold definitely would have come in handy for any new parent, right? Uh, it's expensive to raise children. It's especially expensive when you have to flee to Egypt to run off from of a king that's trying to kill your baby. That kind of gold would have come in handy. But, but we know that the kind of king that Jesus was didn't need that gold. In fact, Acts chapter 17 verse 25 tells us this. He is not served by human hands or given human gifts. As if he needs anything because he, Jesus himself, gives. He's the gift. And he gives all men life and breath and everything else. Jesus may have been given gifts that first Christmas, but what we know is that he is ultimately the gift. And when we bring him our gifts, we don't do it because he needs it. We do it because we need it. Because we need to be a people who come and lay our gifts before Jesus, declaring that he ultimately is not just king of the Jews, but king for us too. Mm
2: Preacher number three is making his way to the stage. Have you ever stressed about giving just the perfect gift to somebody? If you are uh, married, you might remember, guys, that time when you were buying the engagement ring for your soon-to-be wife, you were hoping that you would be able to pick out something that would truly represent to her just how much that you really loved her. Or maybe it was an anniversary gift or a gift uh, as parents to a child to, to represent some kind of special moment in your child's life. You want the magnitude of the gift to really sink in with the recipient. My dad gave me two tickets to go see the University of Kentucky, put a weapon on the University of Louisville, I might add. On Friday, he gets me. He understands what I like for Christmas. Some of you guys are saying, but you lost the football game on Saturday, to which I replied to you, I'm from Kentucky. We don't care about football. So it's just a necessary evil to get through to basketball season. You want the gifts to Represent the magnitude of the recipient. Enter the wise men. The wise men were bringing gifts of gold and incense to this newborn king. Frankincense is a really interesting gift because, contrary to popular belief, the essential oil kits is not where frankincense started. You have to go back many, many years to uh, uh, kind of the Arabian Peninsula, and there are these trees that were growing, these frankincense trees, or for the horticulturists in the room, they were called olibaman trees and a harvester of frankincense would come, and they would make incisions in the side of the tree. Now, these were really strong trees. They could actually pretty much grow out of rock, but yet the paper-like kind of bark was really, really thin, and so they could pull it back and make these incisions, and six or seven times over the course of a period of time, they would come and make these incisions on these trees, and ultimately what would happen is this gum kind of resin-like substance would kind of seep out of the tree, and as it would hit make contact with the air, it would crystallize. And so those crystals are referred to as tears of frankincense. Now, unlike Nick, I'm not going to throw this gift at you this morning. And these tears of frankincense, when heated, release a very beautiful aroma. Something really special happens when you add heat to these tears of frankincense. It's a beautiful smell, that is released from these. Much like some of us were at our grandma's house this year. It's the first time we've been there all year. And when we walked in, we knew that there was something really special cooking in the oven. And you thought to yourself, it is pecan pie time. I am ready to put on, you know, the sweatpants and just go for it. (laughs) When this stuff was burned, it was special. And yet in scripture, we know that The arrival of the Christ child is not the first time that frankincense is referenced. In fact, if you go back to the book of Exodus, you may remember this from our tabernacle series uh, back in the summer. Then the Lord said to Moses, take fragrant spices, gum, resin, onica, and galbunum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. Grind some of it into powder and place it in front of the testimony in the tent of the meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. In the middle of the tabernacle was the most holy place. And that's where God would come and meet with the high priest and we'd offer forgiveness on behalf of all of the people. Right outside of that most holy place was an altar of incense. And on that altar of incense, frankincense and other spices would be burned to release a beautiful aroma. The prayers of the people coming before God saying, God, we need you. Please forgive us. Please guide us. Please offer us the wisdom and the direction that we need. And a little bit later, there would be a baby that was born named Jesus, and he would serve as the high priest between us and God, making the way for us to get back to God possible so that the sins of our lives could be up on his shoulders. And he did that willingly, and he did that because he loved us. So the same gift that was brought to the Christ child was the gift that was burning on the altar of incense before the most holy God in reverence and awe and worship Now, I received some special gifts this Christmas, but some of the most special ones that I received were from my kids. I have a four-year-old daughter. And she gave me a gift this year, and I I loved it. And as I was opening the gifts from my children, something kind of hit me because they're preschoolers. And I never really thought about this before, but I thought to myself, I actually paid for that. (laughs) That's a nice gift, but I paid for it. They don't have a job yet, yet. So I paid for that. But you know, the fact that I paid for it didn't matter to me at all because it was the action behind it that really spoke to my heart. And it was the process behind it that really was the best gift ever. See, God has given us immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. What he asked us to do in return is to take those gifts and bring them back to him. He's the one that bestowed that upon us. And he wants us to live and breathe and get our energy and get the joy from serving him and bringing all those gifts that he's lavished up on us back to him. So that is my prayer for us in this year of 2018.
3: And then there was myrrh. What's myrrh? And, uh, and so this was the third gift that was given to uh, Jesus at his, his, after his birth. And so the question is, why, why myrrh? What's the purpose of myrrh? And I don't know if you've ever received a Christmas gift that you didn't quite understand why you received the gift that you received. Uh, this, this happened to me a couple of times, specifically with my grandmother. A couple of Christmases ago, um, we would always get two, gri- get two gifts from our, my grandmother. It was always underwear and socks. Those were the two gifts. But this Christmas was different because the gift that was given to me was a little bit heavier. And I was like, man, I'm excited. This is probably not underwear. If it is, there's a problem. Um, <laughs> underwear, socks. And so, you know, we sit, I don't know what you do for Christmas. We sit in a circle and we open up one at a time. And so that's what we did. So we got in a circle and first gift was open underwear. Second gift was socks and then underwear, socks. And then it came to me. And then I was super excited. I opened up the gift, looked inside, and there was a two liter bottle of cranberry juice. i didn't understand why I got this gift, like i, I didn't get it and and so I was like, maybe my grandmother thinks that I have uh, digestive <laughs> problems. Or maybe she thinks that I have a UTI, I have a urinary tract infection, that I really need to get out of my system for some reason or another. But, but until we understand the background of that, we'll never completely understand why the gift was given. I believe myrrh is similar to that. We've got to understand myrrh and what it was and why it was given in the first place by a wise man. You see, myrrh was, was also sort of like frankincense. It was found... Um, on a tree, it was resin on a tree in the Arabian Peninsula in Africa, um, and it was used for medicinal purposes. Now, here's some of those things that it was used for antibacterial and antifungal uh, meds. It was beneficial for preventing infections. Uh, it was used for antioxidants. It could help with the liver. Great. Kills parasites. It, it produces healthy skin Uh, it was used for relaxation it prevents gum disease and it's helpful with digestion as you know if if someone laid this at the feet like you're looking you're thinking about Mary Mary is thinking man this is useful for when my child becomes a toddler early childhood years and becomes a teenager this could be very useful for my child whenever they hit those moments but it was also it did so much more you know this was used uh, myrrh was used as anointing oil In fact, Exodus chapter 30, verse 23, it says that myrrh was used to anoint the tabernacle. Every element in the tabernacle, we did a series on the tabernacle, and it was called God's Dwelling Place because the tabernacle was the the earthly dwelling place of God. And so it was not only used to anoint every piece within the tabernacle, it was also used to anoint the priests who would go into the tabernacle and offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. It was not only used to anoint... The priest, it was also used to anoint kings. So get that picture. Laying this at the feet of Jesus, who would eventually become most high priest. Who would eventually be the king of kings. See, Hebrews 4.14 says this. Therefore, since we 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 have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. He would be the most high priest. that would be our mediator between us and God. He would pave the way between us and God. And Revelation 19, 16 says this, on his robe and on his thigh, this is when Jesus comes back, will be the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, representing priesthood and, and kingship. But also, there's something else that it did. Myrrh was also represented death and burial. You see, the early Egyptians would use the myrrh for the death and burial process, the uh, embalming process, and also would use um, this for mummification. Other countries and other nations would adopt and adapt. And what we see is is what we see from from myrrh, this would be used um, in the death and burial process of Jesus. You see, if you turn to Matthew or uh, John chapter Nineteen, You get a guy named Joseph who was a disciple of Jesus who went to Pilate and, and said, can I have his body, prepare Jesus' body for burial? And this is what happened, verse 39. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, this was Joseph. The man who had earlier visited Jesus at night, Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, taking Jesus' body. The two of them wrap, wrapped it uh, with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. This was a bittersweet gift, was it not? Not only did this gift represent healing and anointing, but this gift represented death and sacrifice. And laying this at the feet of Jesus, a boy that would eventually grow up and sacrifice his body for the sins of the world. See, what I believe is myrrh not only just represented death and burial, But for us, it represents life. Because in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we are afforded the opportunity to have eternal life through Jesus Christ.
0: You know, it's powerful is to look at these gifts, right? And look at these gifts and to see, even at Jesus' birth, God was making it very clear what kind of Messiah Jesus would be. Uh, all the Jews were looking for a physical Messiah who would come in and overthrow the Romans and return Israel to a place of prominence. But but God was saying, here's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Here's the great high priest. Here's the one who will die for the sins of the world. I mean, for all men, so that we could have a way to have a relationship with God. And, And so as we think about, they were bringing gifts back then. And We think about bringing gifts today to Jesus. I love what Romans 12, 1 says. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, right? God is sovereign. and In view of his mercy, what he's done for us, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. And, And how awesome to think that our spiritual act of worship is living our lives for the glory of God. That's what we do. So I want to ask you guys, I want to ask you this question. As you think about for all of us, as we bring gifts, as we worship, as we move into 2018, how do we do that in a way that's going to bring glory to God? How do we do that with our lives?
1: Gosh, when you look at what the wise men did, um, Mm -hmm. I think we go immediately tangible. Like, what can I give to Jesus? What can I do for Jesus? We talked about gold, frankincense, myrrh, these tangible gifts, but the first thing that they did was to bow down before him Mm -hmm. and just to recognize him as king and to recognize him as Lord, to say really symbolically with their actions of bowing down low um, to say, "Um, you're better than me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know more than me. You are more than me. Everything about you is more than I am. And so Part of what we do to worship Jesus is just to recognize that um, Mm. He is sovereign Lord and Savior. And our call um, is to follow Him. And I love that they followed a star and that they came to seek Him, to worship Him, because everything that we do is supposed to be about seeking and following Jesus. That's our call. That's what we define discipleship as that. Mm. Like, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so my hope and prayer for us is that that we would worship Him that way Mm. by allowing Him to, to lead us every decision, every choice, every action, every activity um, would be governed by the fact that we want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus today. Um, do what he would have me do. Say what he would have me say. Be who he would have me to be um, and live my life following him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's oh, awesome.
2: That's great. I, I think some of the best things that we can bring uh, are time and margin. And, and that's, uh, that's kind of an unpopular thing to say in a group of people who are really busy uh, like we are. But uh, time and margin are, are huge. It, it it allows us to see the needs of others. Some of the best things that we can offer to the world is a listening ear and, and helping hands. And and when we do that, we have to understand that we're going to get the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. And most of the inconveniences come at really inconvenient times for us as well. And uh, we've all been there where uh, the problems that tend to surface in our life aren't on Tuesdays at 9.30 in the morning. Uh, they're at times when you know that there has to be people who are there. And so my prayer is that we would be those people that would stand in the, in the gap for others and to, to be there for others another I think just tangible thing that we can do is uh, get to know your neighbors and uh, allow that to be kind of a a resolution for 2018 some of us do that amazingly well and uh, some of us have some room for improvement in those areas but just to kind of quadrant out your neighborhood and say hey do I know these people who live around me and if there was a problem that arose in their life would they know that I'm there for them and that the love of Christ would compel me to help in whatever way uh, that I could so I think it's a really tangible thing that we can do to, to let people know that we're there
3: yeah I, I want to go come from the aspect of family um, because I, I think there's three things that I really think about whenever we give our a gift back to our families and to our kids. The first is consistency matters consistency matters it matters in our homes where we like to be consistent in our homes It even matters here um, whenever we're part of a faith community. What we teach our our small group leaders and our volunteers all the time is that you're you're Presence matters, your consistency matters, because we believe that whenever they are consistent and your child or whoever it is are building a relationship with that um, adult leader who has a positive spiritual influence on their lives, then, um, then that will be important later on because they're going to be ha- having some things going on in their lives. Well, so maybe mom and dad, who are the primary spiritual influencers of, of your home, may not be the first person they go to. And you want them to be able to go to somebody who's going to be able to point them to Jesus and going to be able to point them back to you. And so consistency matters. The second thing is model the behavior that you want to see. I think that's another great gift. Model the behavior that you want to see. Um, If you want um, your kids to be generous, Mm -hmm. if you want them to understand and and know God's Word, if you want them to to serve, model the behavior that you want to see. And the last thing is kind of different. It's it's, uh, have a vision for the end. Have a vision for the end, and what I mean by that, you're never stop. You never stop to parent. I mean, you you parent adults, um, but we kind of believe that that year eighteen, whenever you send them off to graduation, like you're you're building a faith foundation. Now it's important to to model and to coach. To that point and imagine the end. And nothing became more prevalent, more real for me than whenever I became a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I became a parent, it was really eye-opening to look back even what my, how my parents raised me. And there was something that happened a couple years ago. A lot of you know our story. Our daughter was diagnosed with a rare condition. She had to have um, surgery. And so um, a couple of days into that, or actually when we got the, sur- we got the diagnosis, we were on the way home. Whenever I got home, the first person that I called, wasn't a doctor. It wasn't my best friend. It was my dad. And on that phone conversation, I was a broken dad at the time. I was broken. I was broken inside. I don't know if you've ever been broken. I'm sure you have. Um, but I was broken. I didn't know what to say. And on the phone, he just prayed with me. Mm-hmm. He just prayed with me. I think another gift that you can give to your kids, another gift you give to your families is prayer. Pray over them and pray often. Mm-hmm. Pray over them and pray often. I think with what, what that that told me is that the reason why I became the first phone call is because of the first two, mm-hmm. the consistency,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and the model the behavior
0: that he wanted um, to see in me. So, wow, well, this is incredible privilege and this calling that we have to live a life of worship, right? And to, and to come back in every area of our life. And you guys, I think we have the, the most incredible opportunity. Uh, we get to serve here at Erling Hills and, and communicate God's word in family ministry at Nolensville and discipleship and, and to pour into people that we love. It, what is your prayer? And I'll just start with you, Chase, but w- yeah. what is your prayer or a word of blessing that you would have for us as we move into 2018 as a church, as a body of believers?
3: Yeah, I I just want to speak specifically to the kids in the room and to the students in the room, whoever's watching online, the kids and students, is that, is this, don't let your self-worth or your identity to be held captive by the things of this world, Mm -hmm. to other people's opinions about who you should be, who you ought to be. Allow that to be Christ. Mm -hmm. Allow that to be Um, Even your faith community that you have a faith community a church home that's here to support you and love on you You have parents that are there that are going to be your biggest fans. So lean into that a little bit. All right The second thing is to parents. It's just a phase. Don't miss it. You hear that often from us. It's just a phase Don't miss it Um, You know, you have the tools you're a resource. God gave you your children for a reason. We are your biggest fans. We're <laughs> rooting you on. So thank you for allowing us to be on this journey together. We're praying for you in 2018 be the mm, best year yet.
2: Yep. Mm, just. You know, I think one of the things that uh, that we could all really grow in this year is just a deeper understanding that we don't have any idea what the next 365 days are going to look like. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am sure that if the Lord uh, gives us another year to live here on this earth, that there's going to be some really high moments in the next year. And there's probably going to be some really low moments uh, in the next year. And my encouragement and blessing uh, and word of encouragement for myself and for you uh, is just to understand that the Lord is walking with you in the midst of each and every one of those things. Just because you're going through a season that might be a little darker than you would hope, it doesn't mean that the Lord is not there holding your hand and walking hand in hand with you in the midst of that. In fact, in the book of Psalm thirty-four, nineteen, it says that many are the adversities of the righteous. Mm. So we're not promised that as people who are seeking to follow after Jesus, that our lives will just be free of conflict and free of issues. But I love the follow-up to that verse that says, but the Lord delivers him mm. from them all. Mm. We serve a God who delivers us from our pain and delivers us from our trials. And so whatever this year throws at you, my prayer is that you would know and understand in the most intimate way possible that God is right there with you, and he's walking hand in hand with you, and he loves you, and he's for you, mm-hmm. and uh, he wants your life to, to be a reflection of him. Mm, I love that.
1: Those are both so good. I could pray those for myself and my family. Um, if, I, if I really go back to the story, um, just to the wise men and what was happening, um, it, in that Christmas narrative, people were invited to come and see. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, God heralded the good news of His Son to some shepherds on a field, saying, "Hey, you guys, come look what I'm doing." Uh, had gathered some wise men from distant lands and said, "Hey, come and look and see what I've done." Um, and then Jesus' final words before He sent back to heaven were, "To go and tell." Mm. Um, and I, I think that's what God has done for us. He has invited us to come and to see Jesus. And then he has instructed us to go and tell about Jesus. Um, And and so any prayer that I pray for us as a church or us as a people or even our individual families um, really just has to be, let's all wear ourselves out looking at all the great things that God has done. And then let's be diligent to go and tell those things to other people um, so that the nations will come. I mean, God was right at the beginning calling the nations to come and see. Um, And we've been invited to come and see so that we can go and tell. And that's, a, that's a big prayer for us this year.
0: Mm-hmm.